We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, and watch some football. Game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives. Running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else like the NFL. And there's no better way to make the game even more exciting than to bet on them. So do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sportsbook. Don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play and where you should too. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo, a Dota 2 competitive podcast debuting our very first episode and excited to be here. First, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Breaky CPK, joined by my co-host, the one and only BSJ. How's it going, man? It's going good. I'm excited. This is my first ever podcast, so yeah, quite a... Kind of nervous, you know, not really <laughs> like I, I've I've talked on camera. It, it's amazing. It's kind of like when you go to TIA, like, hey, you talked on camera all this time and then you kind of just when you're on when you're on for the first time. So I've got a little bit of the jitters of even though I've done this whole high webcam, high viewers thing. Yeah, uh, should be should be a unique experience. So I'm looking forward to it. It, it should be fun. And it, that, that is really interesting to hear. I mean, yeah, I, I've done a you know broadcast myself, but there are some, you know, you definitely get the get, get the nerves going initially. But once you get into it, uh, hopefully pretty good. I mean, for somebody that streams in front of thousands of viewers, though, like yourself, <laughs> it's almost a little surprising to hear. But you'd be you'd be surprised. I, I guess I've always been somebody that's had nervous energy. So that's fair. Like whatever. For whatever reason, something that I've just never done before, even if it seems to the other person, other people that it would be the exact same. Yeah. For whatever reason, my body, Sam manages to make it not the same. So 
For what it's worth, I think you did pretty good at TI9. So hey, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, anyways, this podcast, the Wombo Combo, as we're calling it, it's uh, it's again, it's focused on competitive Dota 2. That's the plan. It's going to be a weekly podcast. Now, it's an interesting start because normally we do want to have the show on Mondays live at 5 p.m. Eastern, so the same time. But usually on Mondays, however, for our first episode, because of... Uh, just to be clear about it, yesterday I was actually casting 12 hours of Dota 2. So I was pretty busy. Originally, we were planning to debut it yesterday, but it came to a point where to make it work, we had to debut it today. But normally the show is going to be every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. So today, a little bit a uh, little bit different, but just to be clear on what's going on here. But we're here to talk about competitive Dota 2, the week that was, and also obviously preview uh, the week that is. It's ideally going to be a weekly show, so hopefully you guys are ready for a great, some great content, both on the Twitch side, but also on uh, iTunes as well as Spotify uh, and all the podcast platforms there. So that is the point of the show. It's going to be about a 45-minute show or so, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. We're trying to keep it, you know, some content in there, the good, the good juicy stuff and not, uh, not overdo it here. Uh, but that is the, the plan. So, BSJ, are you ready to talk about some Dota 2? Let's go, man. Let's, let's dive into it. Let's, let's dive into it. Of course, the DPC season just around the corner going to be starting. Before we get into that, though, in our opinions, uh, I wanted to start with, well, what I think makes the most sense, TI9 finishing. Naturally, we have what is basically a roster shuffle is, is the term that's used. And there's a lot of roster changes that take place. There are some that don't take place. Some teams that do certainly stick together. But I, I figured it makes sense to kind of talk about some of the players in these new teams that are uh, evolving or kind of coming about as a result of the roster shuffle and give our take. So I want to start at the top. We got uh, a team known as Evil Geniuses and a team that is uh, certainly, you know, how do you put it? It's I don't want to say they've been disappointing because they've overall been the best NA team from year after year, but in the terms of what they expect and the roster that they have had, it to some people it maybe has been disappointing, I think it's fair to say. So they change things up, they remove some mail from the roster, they bring in Ramses from formerly a British Pro, of course, uh, and S4 also no longer part of the team, instead Abed also replacing. So I guess it's going to be Abed, though, in the mid now, and Ramsey's actually going to position three. So that itself is interesting. But first things first, when you heard the news about Samail specifically no longer part of EG and this whole roster change, what uh, what was what was your reaction? I've heard a decent amount about behind the scenes of EG, and it sounded kind of like they just had too many strong personalities. I think Sumail and Artur kind of, I don't want to say they were like at ends with each other or anything like that, but they both had very flashy be the winning player for your team mentality. And I think that these replacements for EG might help that. Um, uh, Ramsey's, I guess, played at three position before he played one position for Virtus Pro. Uh, I always have my skepticism about players who are going to new roles or roles they haven't played recently. Uh, but the fact that he's played that role before on teams gives me a little more confidence on that. And I know Abed's a much more laid back, pretty much say nothing during the game, just kind of do his own thing. Well, you know, like these, there's these players that just show up in the right place at the right time all the time. Like Universe is an off laner that comes to mind for me that does that. And Abed's a mid laner that does that. So I think that they tried to go for more of this balance of personalities because it just doesn't matter always about the skill, right? And we see last year, as you said, this roster of EG that kind of came together right before TI-8. So they gave it this extra year uh, to see if they could sure. make it happen. There has to be something wrong if 
each individual player is like incredibly strong at their role. So with that in mind, obviously Abed and Ramsey's two very top tier players. Uh, Abed obviously had a little bit of a, not the showing you wanted as TI TI nine, but yeah. Uh, that doesn't really take any everyone. He's widely regarded as the best mid laner in SCA. Yeah, from Southeast Asia, at least, and uh, certainly one of the best in the world. So I, for, for me, it was I've, I've been saying this even going back to last year when they initially made those changes, as you pointed out, going into TIA, it was kind of a last minute change. So, yeah, it was hard to really judge how the roster was going to be. They gave another season, obviously didn't work out in the in the long run here, but for me, it was either Arteezy or Samel had to go. Um, it was the EG had to rebuild a one, around one of those players. I who they chose, you know, ultimately is up to them. And clearly they ultimately went with Arteezy. But I bring that up because I feel like they do obviously have very similar play styles. They are both these players that ideally you want to play around them. You look at a team like Liquid, they're playing around Miracle. You look at a team like OG, they're playing around Ana for the most part. So I feel like if you're truly looking to win TI, the recent success at least has been built around. You have that absolute one-star player and then a great supporting cast ultimately around him. When you have Arteezy and Sumail on the same team. I, I just didn't think it was going to work out ultimately in the long run. And we, we saw that here uh, throughout the last couple of seasons. So with that in mind, I personally do have my concerns with Abed joining the ranks. I, I Abed, a very good player, but I feel like he is a similar player in a lot of ways to a Sumail. He is going to bring this not necessarily he's not going to be about me, you know, kind of player, but I'm a little worried that he is used to be in the focus and the carry of his team in that mid role. So will there be enough farm to share? Will there be enough room for these two players? I don't know if I'm necessarily sold on that. And this being the best replacement for Sunina, as great of a player he is, that is my ultimate concern with EG. And I feel like has been their weakness in this past couple of years in terms of not being able to ultimately win TI. Yeah, Abed definitely has a share of playmakers that he plays, but he also plays these 10th pick Meepos, right? Like yeah. Kind of like you're saying, where you build around these heroes that are the win condition for you in that specific game. And that does create some hesitation for me as well. I was kind of thinking about that. But at the same time, I know Abed is really good at these heroes like DK, these enabling type heroes from the mid lane. So maybe they're going to mix it up and pick him more of these conservative, make sure they do their own thing. Like, but they can still be flashy. These, these heroes can still make use of a skill level player like he has. And Ramsey's, I think also is a lot of different player than S4. Like S4. Yeah. He's a very good player, but Ramsey's is known for his aggression. Even when he was a carry player, like when I watched his replays from the carry position, he's the guy that's, just up in your face. He'll die three times in the first 10 minutes if that means he drew four people to his lane. And he played that way from the carry position. Is that good as an off lane? I mean, that, that's to your point. Is that actually, does that translate well to an off lane, well, you think? I, I think it does. I, I, what I'm saying is S4 was kind of this mid, I, I, he had this mid player mindset from the off lane. Even though he played these off lane heroes, I, I think he, they didn't really have somebody that was willing to just die for the sake of helping the team. And I know that sounds weird because you're not, it's not just mindless feeding, right? It's feeding with a purpose. Like you're forcing sure. people to respond to you. You're creating a lot of pressure. You're like forcing the attention to yourself rather than the person that you're trying to have be the wing condition for your team. And I just think based on what I saw from the carry role that he could easily translate that uh, to the offlane. And I think they needed a player like that uh, for the team, because like you said, is there enough farm on the map? Yeah. And I think that <laughs> Ramsey's may 
it's all hit or miss, right? With these new rosters, you never know where the how the dominoes are going to fall into place or whatever. But I think Ramsey's is a big deal for like Abed, kind of a neutral shift from Sumail. Uh, hopefully, it's just a there's no there's no history there so they can kind of start fresh Mm -hmm. and then with ramsey's it's just i think the play style is a big difference for them and obviously since the remaining like the support cast i think is very strong crit and fly uh i think that this team has higher potential than the last one but as any other new roster go they could just dud uh we'll just have to see (laughs) i never know how how it happens well that kind of leads nicely into the expectations of this team i I think it's fair to say I don't want to go as far as saying they need to win TI because that's, that's kind of ridiculous to say a team needs to win TI to live up to expectations when only one team does and it's just a crazy tournament, but they need to be the number one team out of NA, no doubt. And, you know, a top three finish, I think is clearly what this team is aiming for uh, from the organization perspective in terms of I'm sure they're paying them a good salary. You know, this is a, a legit serious organization when it comes to competing in esports, let alone Dota 2. They're here to compete, and that's why they made these changes. So I think it's fair to say a top three at TI slash number one NA team is uh, the expectations that we should see from them. For sure. I, I think major, at least one or two majors for them. Uh, yeah. At the bare minimum, I think that last year EG's main problem was they just don't win. Like they they always <laughs> place high, right? But they just don't win. Third place and, curse, man. Yeah, it, it, everyone memes about it, but at the end of the day, these players they have confidence issues in terms of they want they, they, you know they trash talk each other in a in a competitively friendly way. Yeah. But it gets to you after a while if you just keep losing to the same teams over and over again. And uh, as an organization, even though they won some side tournaments, they need to win a DPC event. And they mm-hmm. need to go into TI with that swagger almost, I think. And that's going to be an important part for their season. So yep, the, the I'm excited to see this new EG. I think they will be the best team in NA. Uh, but uh, when it comes down to how well they actually perform in majors... That's what we'll really have to see. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash blue wire. Why try Harry's? Well, Harry's founders were two regular guys started getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with Harry's Trial Set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of my show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com, that's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show. NA is looking very interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about a couple of these other rosters in a second, but I think the next roster to transition to to discuss is going over to the European region in NIP. Ninjas in pajamas, PPD, a... New squad across the board. You're looking at Oliver in their one, Gunner in their two, Universe as their three, and Biver as their four. So a mix, a mix of players from all over the place. Um, Gunner, of course, a, a North American player, had the interesting story last season. Uh, I'm sure you know you know him pretty well yourself. But NIP, this is not a roster I personally expected, uh, especially you know coming from the, the roster of last season. It's fair to say that they were fairly disappointed in their results last season. Um, when it comes to PPD, especially captaining a team, 
do you think that this is a team that you would ha have higher expectations out of uh, this season? Well, even though it seems like a smorgasbord of players, you know, I did a little backtracking and Oliver and Biber, they played together for about the last year. They played on team spirit and then they did make That's their right. brief stint uh, to infamous. So these two players are familiar with one another. And then obviously you have TI five EG with some, uh, with uh, universe as well as PBD and then gunner. I, you know, I, <laughs> the funny thing about, I talked to PBD at TI and he just said, you know, going into last season, there's just no mid laners left. Uh, and they just took Fada. Fada's a good player, but he's not a mid laner, right? Mm -hmm. And like, it makes it really hard as a drafter, as a team, when you almost expect to lose mid lane. And then there's also times where you want to pick this flashy game winning hero, but it just can't come from the mid lane because that you don't have a genuine mid player. Just, you know, the, the real deal from the mid lane. These, these skilled players that just do crazy things that just win you the game sometimes. And let me tell you, if there's one thing, like, Gunner seems like an incredibly passive guy. Just seems like this quiet guy that just does his own thing. No, this kid <laughs> is nuts. Like, he's actually nuts. Like, I I've played with him on uh, Party Stacks a pretty good amount. And you're just farming in the mid lane, and he's a monkey king jumping around trees in the mid lane. And he's like, I'm going in. And I'm like, what? And he just jumps into their ancients into four heroes blind. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then Five he, head like, moment. Yeah, then we just <laughs> no, but then we just take a fight and win, and he just has this this uh, raw ability to that a lot of mid laners need, and also a lot of them lack to just recognize the time to just go in, make a big big balls, big move play, and I think that that's exactly what somebody like PPD needs on his team, and okay. I think that Gunner as a player being unrefined, still new to the scene, is who PPD is who he needs PPD. Like okay. they, I think they needed each other in this team. And obviously I think universe is one of the best players in the world, even though he didn't, uh, you know, make his, he wasn't able to be on a team for TI nine. Yeah. So I have a lot higher expectations of this NIP than I did the previous one, because even though the previous one had good individual players, I don't think they really had the summation of factors that it takes to make a good team. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this team uh, make a splash in the, in the European region, even though that region is very tough. That's, that's the problem, right? Europe, Europe, you could argue is at the top end, the toughest region in all the regions, maybe outside of a China or whatever, but it is certainly very difficult as is showing, <clears throat> especially in the last part of the season. Uh, going back to your gunner point, it, it, does it fair to say it kind of reminds you of a little bit of CCNC? Obviously, PPD played with him a couple seasons ago with Optic Gaming and, you know, helped develop him, and we, we see where he's at today, um, and talk about him in just a second more, but um, do you see gunner in a similar spot, or is he a more refined player to you, a more aggressive player even? I think they're different players, but in terms of the spot they were in their career, I think Gunner's just a year behind. I think okay. that, uh, you know, he is – I I just liked his attitude the whole way. Uh, I, I did miss a chance to play with him last year, and I do regret it. Like, I had a choice between playing with him or – I'm not going to mention the other player. But we chose <laughs> to go with the other player. And, uh, like, looking back, it's obviously one of those, like, I wish I had gotten to play with him. Mm -hmm. He's just unique, and I think that's really important in the Dota scene. It's really hard to read. It's really hard to draft around as an opponent – I think his main limitation right now is he only has maybe five to 10 heroes that he can play at the absolute highest level. Okay. But him as a player with the attitude he has, I know for a fact over the course of this year that he will expand upon that. If PPD says, Hey, Gunner, man, I need you to be able to play Medusa better than anyone in the world. But the Gunner's like, okay, I'll play a hundred games of Medusa. I, he's just that type of player. Like if you ask him to do something, if he needs to do something for the team, 
he's he's gonna do it and i and i it's seems like such an important mindset that you should be like yeah shouldn't everyone just have that that's what everyone should have but no that's not the case it's easier said than done yeah yeah especially from the mid lane right these players are very cocky they're very flashy and he has that and i I, that's what i love about his attitude so i I have high hopes for this kid and i am rooting for him he's a guy he's a likable guy yeah and this team is just yeah, Gunner and Universe are just likable guys. I don't know Oliver Biver personally, but they've always like been solid in my mind. Whenever I've seen them, I've never been like, "Wow, those guys suck" or anything <laughs> like that. And obviously, PPD uh, is is the type of leader that any team needs to make it happen. Yeah, and he. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, he. I mean, he brings the experience, of course, and uh, he he's been there before, and he he has definitely matured over the years too. And you, you talk about Biver, I have history with him, but he is actually a former Han player. He's an old school Han player, but you come to the oh, Dota wow. days, and he has been on some big names. You mentioned Team Spirit before that. He was on Navi, so this guy knows how to play for some big organizations. Uh, brings the experience, and I, I can vouch he is a good guy as well. So, so definitely, nice. they they got that going for them. Does NIP, but being good guys doesn't always translate to success necessarily there is more to it of course so ppd gonna try to put them in shape and when it comes to expectations for me again this is the european region we're talking about i think it's fair to say qualifying for a minor several minors throughout the season at least qualifying for one major is certainly i think a good place to start for a team like this it's a very tough region i keep reiterating that for good reason but i think qualifying for at least one major is what i would would see out of them I expect at least one major as well. And I think if they make it to the major, I, I, it's all going to be about how it comes together for Gunner. I think I, I, even though I talked praise about him, every new mid laner is just so hit or miss. And, uh, you know, will he be the CCNC that uh, optic had where they kind of just become this consistent eighth place team <laughs> or will he become that next level? And that's the, that's the question. So we'll just have to see. That, that's the deciding factor for me over the course of the season. Fair enough. Keeping things moving along. So jumping over back to the NA region, well, the region we, we both know and love pretty well, J-Storm. J-Storm has, has been a, through a couple of changes. Their new roster, you're looking at Resolution. Nine joining the ranks as their mid player. Moo in the offlane now. Moos as their position four. Of course, South American player. And then Fear. Daddy Fear going in the position five um, as a caster. I do not like seeing Moo and Moose on the same team, but <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, nine for me personally in the last couple of years, he's kind of been one of these up and coming players. I think it's fair to say he's always been very high ranked uh, when it comes to his ladder play in the European region. Hasn't necessarily been on the top of tier teams. I think this is truly his first big break in being able to play from J-Storm from the beginning. So I, I'm very intrigued to see how he does when it comes to playing in the North American region. But obviously this is a team filled with experience and you got a player like Resolution. You certainly should have some uh, higher expectations of them. But is this uh, a roster you see coming together pretty well? Sadly, I I don't. I, this is a team that has to prove me wrong. They they have to. I have low expectations for this team because last year J Storm, uh, they do have four of the same players, right? Obviously, Fear moved from four to five. They booted the five player. They kind of rotated between five players last year, and they added moves to the team. And I guess nine was added maybe midway through the season, but. Nine is a player I've talked about time and time again, incredibly skilled laner. And then for whatever reason, his mid game, his like aggression and application of his advantage in pro matches just doesn't translate. I don't know why these types of players, I really never understand uh, why certain things go wrong for them. 
but he gains his advantage and then the momentum just dies somewhere around 15 to 20 minutes. And that's why when I look at a player like Gunner, I'm like, I don't know what makes him successful in this aggressive role, but someone like nine, I look at him like, how is this guy so high ranked, always wins his lane or at least goes even in a, in a bad matchup. And then his mid game looks like this. I, it always confuses me. And I just, this team just didn't look like a, it just didn't look like the summation of the factors. Like I talked about on the other team, this didn't look that much last year. Jay storm yeah. was very disappointing last year and it's, they only changed one player. Uh, so I, I, I believe in the individual talent of these players, like resolution, obviously top tier carry player move top tier in a off laner fear TI winner or TI winning support, but he's also never been really a captain. A lot of question marks <laughs> for this team. Uh, I think moves is one of the best players from SA uh, that I've seen. Uh, he is in my pubs a lot, and I do enjoy playing with him on my team. Uh, I- I'm just going to say I'm skeptical. This team, out of all of the teams we probably have here, I have the lowest expectations for, but I'm willing to be proven wrong. That's fair. That's fair. Definitely making some changes. Um, yeah, I, I, Moose, a solid player. You know, you look at the, how well they did last season. They came up just shy in the TI qualifiers, losing a forward game, and of course, uh, in the grand finals right there. So not a lot of changes uh, going into this season, but a team with resolution, I would like to think I have some higher expectations for uh, in terms of it coming together. So um, I, it, it is tough for me too, because I'm looking at some of these other squads in the North American region that are forming and to see J storm as a team that you would expect to beat them obviously we've already talked about eg certainly don't expect that and a couple of these other ones i i don't know i think i think qualifying for maybe a minor or two is is probably the highest we should expect out of yeah. uh, out of this team but uh, qualifying for I a major agree. would be a would be a bit of a stretch in my opinion so but the na region has as far as the memes go it is still pretty bad so maybe j storm can get that experience they need in the majors by qualifying and then come together as a team over the course of the season. Uh, They did prove last year that they're willing to stay together as a unit. So that does bode better than uh, some of these other rosters that we maybe see, maybe seeing coming up here. I want to stick with the NA region might as well, since we are talking about it. Uh, Now this next one is, to be clear, hasn't been confirmed 100% yet. There is a good reason to believe that likely this could be a roster to expect as there are some leaked screenshots of it. Uh, there's been more and more people talking about it, but this is Sumail's new team, obviously with his announcement of the departure from EG. Everyone's talking about where the hell is he going to end up for good reason. Apparently, he's uh, going to be playing with his brother, potentially, as we're looking at Sumail, CCNC, SVG, Yoar, and MSS. So you got two very experienced players in SVG and MSS. So definitely a good leadership role there. Yoar and Sumail, the brothers, and then CCNC in position two. So Sumail, in this case, would be kind of that position one. Now, it could be interchangeable, obviously, kind of like a Liquid-esque style where they can change depending on the heroes picked. But um, that's the X. Ex- well, not the expectation, but the what people believe is going to be the roster. Again, no official word yet, but that, that, that's a sexy roster, man. I mean, those are some big-name players, and that certainly is a team that, if it connects, they, they could contest even with an EG, you'd feel. Yeah, this is TI-8. Uh, why am I blanking? VGJ with Sumail as the carry. Uh, I think that this team has a lot of potential. Obviously, you are in an offlane is a little of a wild card for me. I've never seen him play offline. I've seen him play it recently, 
I, I'm, but I just want to confirm, but I'm about 99% sure this roster is correct. Okay. Uh, you know, I was party queuing with SVG and Sumail the other day, and SVG's like, Sumail, don't go mid. I wanted you to lane with me for <laughs> obvious reasons. And, we're, and I'm like, what nice. are those reasons, SVG? <laughs> He's like, I guess they're not so obvious. You know, uh, and, and, and Sumail and you are have been party queuing literally every day together. So mm-hmm. I, I have to assume uh, that other than CCNC, which I would expect based on who's left in the mid lane in NA, uh, all the rest of it's 100% uh, confirmed. I, I think that this roster, these these players are all very good. So I expect this to be the second best team in NA. Yeah, that's mul- simple for m- multiple majors, uh, certainly I could see this team qualifying for. And uh, that's a good, I didn't even think about that with actually, this is pretty much VGJ Storm, like you said, with uh, Samael as the, the, the fifth player swapping around roles a little bit. But um uh, kind of a side question, just thought about this. Uh, obviously, you got Samuel and you are brothers. There are a couple of other brother combos. We got uh, Chessie and Limp come to mind. We got Z Freak and Kyle, of course, come to mind. And uh, I don't know if there's anything I'm missing off the top of my head, but um, is it fair to say Samuel and uh, you are probably uh, on the top of the list as far as brother combos? Yeah, I'm surprised they've never made an attempt at playing together in the past. I think you yeah. was kind of a few steps behind Samuel in his career path. But I think he's come a long way as a player. And just to clarify about VGJ, I guess CCNC wasn't on that, but he's played with MSS and Yawar a lot over the course of the years with like Team Freedom and stuff. So it's okay. basically TI8 VGJ with players that have played together a ton. And uh, you, that, that's the big thing for me is even though this that's is a new roster, these players have played together a lot. Uh, and that's really important, I think, for team chemistry. You know, they get along. You know, it's not going to be one of those just beef stacks where I mean, where they like they stack and then they beef one another and then break up. I don't yeah. that, that I, I really do have high expectations. What organization is going to pick up this team, too? That's another question, man, because obviously this is some high profile players and there's been rumors, even things like the uh, cloud nine coming back. You know, this you, you would think it's certainly potential to be a pr- pretty big organization in the esports Absolutely. world. So I'm, I'm excited for that and see what it brings to the table. But definitely some higher expectations there. If indeed that is 100% confident in the roster. Um, sticking with NA, another kind of makeup of, of players coming together. They're always, uh, always interesting. Eternal Envy uh, going to be forming up with Bryle, Moomeander, Snake King, and Owie 2000. So a couple of interesting storylines there. You got Eternal Envy, of course, and his history. See a little smirk coming out right there. Yes, it's always yeah. fun to talk about. Um Aoi, it's been a while since he's really been competitive in Dota 2. So it's, but then you have players like Snake King with a ton of experience recently. I, it's, I don't know. Where, where are you at with the squad? My opinion of this squad is I believe Moonmander, Snake King, very good players. I think Aoi knows a lot about the game. So he, he's kind of a hit or miss for the captain role. I've just never seen him do it. Uh, never been too impressed with Brile in the mid lane, but I think he's the next best after all the ones that are already taken so i do believe this is like their best candidate for the mid lane uh but you know i i think you can color me surprised if this team lasts longer than a couple months i just (laughs) there are some volatile personalities on this team Uh, you know i don't want to call anyone out but uh up to you i'd say multiple (laughs) players on this team have had issues personality wise it's mm-hmm. not been play that they get kicked from teams or that teams move on without them uh i 
we know we talked about eg having too many personalities last year this is like personalities on steroids so i (laughs) will we'll see maybe Aoi can wrangle them all together to become one happy family but i i you know i'm not convinced so high high skill stack that if they have initial success may go somewhere but with i would say with one moment of turmoil this team's just gonna implode that's my opinion. It's it's fair. I mean, it's it's happened many of times before, so that's certainly not a stretch uh, to yeah. go with right there. So I guess you know maybe we can we our expectations for the squad is be the same five man roster at the end of the season. That's uh, that's their, the the hope I suppose. Yeah, well, yeah well, that's the that's the end goal. <laughs> that's the goal. That also implies success. Yeah, because that's true. the only way they're going to make it to that point. That's true. That's true. I I, I will say again on a personal level, I I do want to see Moomiander specifically have success. He's he's a great guy. He's, oh, he's a good guy. He's yeah. matured so much over the years too, and it's been obviously he's. Again, going back to the Han days, I remember from that, and always been a good buddy of his uh, from back then. So uh, I, I'm hoping that there is some success, whether it's with this team or in the future for, sure. for him. But yeah, it's uh, not the highest expectations, I think it's fair to say, with this squad. So we start soon with the DPC, so who knows? But uh, jumping over to another region, uh, Singularity uh, from the European region. This is a little bit lesser of a tier. I think is a fair point to make off the bat, but I found it a fairly interesting one to at least uh, talk about. Uh, Excalibur in their position one. You got Mage in their position two. Saberlight as their three. DNZ as their four. And Pexu as their five. So, um... Excalibur, he's kind of been one of these mercenaries over the years. I, I like to put it where he's played for a lot of these different European teams, especially. He's even played a, think of, for Fnatic in Southeast Asia. So he, he's he's been around the block. He He's one of these players that looks always so good online at times, but then in his couple of land performances has unfortunately been underwhelming. And then you're also mixed with the several younger players like a Mage, a Saberlight. Um, I have had the chance to actually cast this team with the covers that I've been doing here for the Wii Play tournament just this last week in these last couple of days uh they spoiler alert they just got knocked out unfortunately um but it's they 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 looked okay they looked okay it is a stacked european region um this is one of these teams that could you see them breaking through or is this is there going to be work to be done uh alex caliber kind of reminds me of nine just a really high ranked pub player that has never really proven himself to have that translate over to competitive and as far as all these other players go they're just a bunch of unproven's to me, you know. Yeah. And in the EU region, that's just a brutal place to be in that situation. And I think that for the most part, for me, this is a developmental year for almost all these players. And maybe they'll be able to sneak into one or two minors. Uh, but aside from that, I think that a lot of these players have upside potential. But I just also, like I said, they're unproven and they're in a region where there's so many proven stacks that are just really powerful or not already like made organizations that you're competing against. You got OG, you got Lick, you got Secret, like you got this new NIP that I think has more promise than this team. And I just, ah, that's rough, man. So I, I think, like I said, one or two minors would be awesome for this team yeah. if they can make it to that. Yeah, I think I think maybe a minor is the expectation that we should probably uh, look for as far as a, a team like this. But it is it's again it's very tough. So we'll see how they come together. Um, yeah, we are we are getting uh, a little bit long winded here. So uh, let's just talk about one more team, but because this is another interesting one for me. Uh, the as they're calling themselves the the Fata Stack again in a European region. You're looking at the roster of Nico Baby Limp Three Three. 
Hanskin, and Fanta. Now, the interesting thing about this lineup, Fanta is going to be going to position five, apparently, with the squad. Nico Baby, of course, he's coming off of his, his high of TI9. He was one of these breakout players that certainly looked very good to a lot of people that I know I'm not alone to say I did not have any expectations, really, for him and the team, but uh, looked very good, and I'm curious to see how he now, does now going back to the European region, uh, where I believe he is from, after all. So uh, what, what do you think of this squad? Uh, I think they made a lot of changes that they needed to make in terms of these individual players. I think Limp needed to leave complexity in the NA region. I think he needed to go back to U. I think his style just doesn't fit NA. Uh, for whatever reason, it just doesn't look like his play style meshes with this region's type of play. Uh, he's a very aggressive mid laner, and I don't know. It just doesn't work here the way he plays. It's very technical, though. He's a very rigid but good at what he does kind of player. Um, and then you have Fada, who I always thought his biggest strength was his knowledge of the game and his biggest weakness was his mechanics. So I think moving to the five is very natural for him. A lot of players have done it from similar situations for him. I think 33 is one of the best offlaners in the scene. I think Hodgkin's a great four position and Lemp and him have played together a lot. And, you know, Nico, baby, like you said, I, I think that this this has a good balance of experience as well as newer players that are high skill in their individual roles. I like this stack a lot, and I think they could potentially qualify for one or two majors and are almost guaranteed to make all, all the minors. So I, I like this squad a lot. All right. Uh, high expectations there as far as uh, minor success, and uh, certainly could see that. And again, a team in TFT that last season, they kept getting so close to qualifying for yeah. so many things, including TI9 itself, but they just came up short. So Hans going to, in that case specifically, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with this squad. And yeah, Limp, uh, of course, from Sweden uh, and uh, going back to the region, the European region, to, to see how he does over there. So um, a couple more things before we move on to topics altogether. Is I, it's worth pointing out, I think, that of the top teams, of a lot of these teams that uh, rosters may be sticking together, well, let's kind of go down the list real quickly. You, you got OG, who has announced that they, they do plan to stick together. However, Ana may be taking a break yet again. And Topson, I think, isn't planning to play until the second set of majors. So we are going to possibly see some standing situations there. there. Yep, what's that? I said, can't blame them there. Right. It's, dude, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, every year we had with Liquid a couple of years before. Now, of course, OG back to back years. It seems like it's, it's a grind, man. <laughs> it's, it's a rough life when, uh, when you're playing Dota like that at that level, especially. So it's understandable they want the break, but so we'll see. I, oh, yep. I was just going to say, I, I would need a break if I put in that much work and then one ti it's not just like the fact that you put in so much work it's like the high of coming off of ti itself and mm -hmm. the win and then motivating yourself just to win a major i don't know <laughs> that that to me i'm trying to even imagine fathom what that would be not many like people in my can. head and, <laughs> and, I, and i definitely think you just need a deep breath refresher you know mm -hmm. step mentally reset your mind for the new season and it's just not enough time between ti and the first major to do that Another team on the list, uh, one that we've already talked a little bit about, Virtus Pro. They're going through a lot of changes. Ramsey is, of course, now a part of EG. Uh, it was also announced, well, you have Pasha, now a part of Na'Vi, even. So uh, that's an interesting storyline right there. And so far, it's only apparently 
Um, God, who was it? It's going to be no one in Solo have announced that they plan to stick with Virtus Pro. So we, we don't even know about Roger either. He hasn't actually made any announcements yet. So it's likely going to be just those two players and rebuilding the squad. But man, this this uh, I was talking with this my co-casters in this tournament I've been covering. It's been mainly you know the CIS region, even the Europe a little bit. But CIS is wide open this year, especially with Virtus Pro yeah. imploding. Uh, that region, the expectations. Who the hell knows? where that's going to go. So I think that's actually going to be a really fun storyline to pay attention to uh, throughout the season and and uh, pretty cool for the region because the last three years, essentially, it's been almost really dominated by VP and then it's like you got one other team, whoever it may be. So I am excited for that. But yeah, and then who's going to join VP, right? We don't we don't know that yet. So there's still even more of this to come. So but yeah, your take on that quickly. Yeah, with team like VP being so dominant in that region, it's it's funny to see it. Like, you know, with EG, they've broken down and reformed already. With VP, you have no idea. And I just love it now, region, you know, what are new teams going to move there? Are some European teams just going to migrate? Because now yeah. they see this big opening. There's always only really one or two slots max from that region. But suddenly one slot that was almost taken or was taken every single major is not taken anymore, guaranteed. We'll just have to see. Obviously, no one and Solo are insanely good players, so maybe VP will still be dominant, but they haven't proven that yet. So maybe the first major we might be seeing some crazy stuff. And I, I, I like that. I like the unpredictability oh, yeah. of professional Dota at any point at the beginning of the season, especially with all these new rosters and the, the biggest teams kind of reforming. And they don't always look in peak form, right? That's why sometimes you'll see these kind of tier two, tier three teams making a huge run at the start of the season because of this exact reason. Yeah, there's only been a couple of teams that have that we that we kind of know is planning to stick together and that's kind of OG as we talked about. It's kind of liquid. They may not we they may be replacing a Wii. They they obviously left the organization, so they're no longer known as liquid and they're, we're going to see what they do. Um yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Is there another team? Because Secret's another one. We we actually haven't heard anything from Secret. Yeah. So we don't know where they're going to end up. You would assume with their success last season, maybe a little disappointing, of course, at TI9 with their ultimate result, but had a fantastic, the best regular season, really, of all the teams. So sticking together wouldn't be the most surprising. But again, the fact that we're here, almost the first minor qualifiers about to start, or major qualifiers even, and we haven't heard yet, is another interesting uh, take there. So... All, there really isn't a <laughs> top-tier team even out there. I, I think the China region does have a couple, actually. I think LGD has announced they're sticking together 100%. But outside of that, there really isn't ha – there, there's not a lot. It's there, There's been at yeah. least one, if not multiple, roster changes on all these squads. Yeah. I, uh, the chaos is going to come together at some point, but it definitely is not formulated just yet. It's great, man. It's great stuff. And obviously, again, starting in a couple of weeks, we got the major qualifiers. We'll get not only an idea of what some of these rosters even continue to look like, but uh, how they perform and maybe the expectations uh, out of them moving forward. And that's going to be something, again, on this weekly podcast we'll pay attention to, discuss, and uh, looking forward to doing. Okay, enough about roster shuffle, though. I do want to keep things moving right here. A couple, a couple more things to talk about. Uh, before we do start to wrap things up. And uh, the first big thing is, of course, we keep mentioning the season is about to start. That being the DPC season, this is the third year. Yeah, this is the third year that we've officially ran a DPC season. And hey, overall, I think it's fair to say it's it's gone fairly well. You know, it definitely made a dramatic change from the first to the second season. We had 25 events from the first season. And then it, of course, went down uh, to, uh, to 10 events there. But... It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the same thing this time around. You got the five minors. You got the five majors. Um, 
not a lot changed this year. One of the biggest ones, though, was the fact that they're combining the qualifiers. Um, so yeah. instead of having a major qualifier and then if you don't qualify, you then play a whole new minor qualifier. They're just saying we're all going to take, you know, the teams from that one qualifier, either for the major or the minor. So this means the schedule can be a little less compact uh, and a little more time in between. And, you know, a player like yourself, I'm sure you can uh, you can appreciate that when it comes to the grind. Absolutely. I think the fact that they not only changed that, but they also changed the format of the qualifiers. So every qualifier is going to be with two best of two groups of five True. where uh, the top two teams from each group will go to a playoff to decide who goes to the major and the third place teams will go to like this other phase who then decides to go to the minor. And I think it's a cool concept that they are giving teams a longer break. This set of qualifiers seems like it's more consistent, meaning since it's not this playoff style bracket, uh, the better teams will more likely go. Uh, so if you're like, an, if you're one of the best teams, you're not as concerned about not qualifying in some fluke series of a best of three. Uh, it's pretty hard to consistently lose to inferior teams in best of twos. Uh, throughout a group stage mm -hmm. uh, it's almost always like in a group stage format the best teams always end up getting into that bare you know at the ti where virtus pro barely made it into the upper bracket even though they completely flopped out it's like these teams that look edgy or sketchy throughout the group stage will still be able to make the top half or the, like whatever the cutoff is that they have to make uh, if they are one of the best quality teams. And the other attempt that they made to change was that they evenly distributed the the prize pool money for the minor. And everyone talks about the support for the tier two scene. I think this is a nice step, but it's just not enough. Uh, like if, if you have five, you have five minors throughout the season, right? Yeah. It's hard to qualify for a minor as, <laughs> as a player, right? That, that there's eight teams in the minor 16 in the, in the, um, major that's 24 teams 120 players throughout the entire world so if you're in your own region that means you have to be top 20 in your own region as a ranked player on average to even make it into a minor and then if you get last place in the minor you're making twelve thousand dollars so for the team yeah <laughs> for the team so you're making twenty four hundred dollars so then if you make it to every minor you are going to make twelve thousand on the year which is not, not, like, not, not, not uh, usually the best. Uh, yeah, it's not. You're, you're putting in a lot of time, right? We talked about the grind. Yeah. So for me, the biggest issue I had last year with the DPC season, they, they've addressed a lot of the, re the issues, the lack of breaks uh, and like the way the qualifiers went in general was a problem. But I just it's so hard when a team like TFT last year talks about possibly having to give up their pro Dota careers because mm -hmm. of the fact that they just don't make any money. They just kept and, coming up short. Yeah. Yeah. And they're one game off of TI or one series off of TI. And it's just, for me, that's the biggest issue. And this new system looks better as it does every year, but it doesn't look like it addressed the core issue that I think will be the downfall of competitive Dota. If there ever is one, which is the lack of, tier two scene which just doesn't promote new players growth and that kind of thing so yeah no that's that that's a whole another topic and, and we could we could definitely yeah. talk about that on another show as far as a longer Absolutely. discussion but uh you know the, the quick take on that for me is just it's 
it's it's complicated. There's obviously a lot to it from the tournament orga organizers themselves. It's absolutely. But there there has been some suggestions, you know, just the simple of you know take a million dollars from the prize pool of TI and instead spread that out throughout the year. You know, whatever. But uh, there's even other sides to that devil's advocate you can play that so uh but yeah we'll have that discussion certainly in a later on show so i like the tease right there mr yeah BSJ. absolutely you know i know we were mainly talking about dpc but this is the system <laughs> that is supposed to address that problem so yeah, that's fair nice segue into future into future episodes that is that is that is definitely fair it's it's you know when you do do the math it certainly uh, doesn't add up the the, the craziest uh, for even a you know a top twenty player in, in that specific region, but again, a, a discussion for another time. So we'll save it for that. But uh, certainly, uh, very interesting. Uh, like we talked about, there were a couple of changes. That the, as far as the format goes, real quickly, I I still I still do not understand why we do not see a Swiss format. I mean, as a player yourself, is that something that you would like to see? Because what was it like two years ago? There was a major. I think it was like it was like a Kiev major. This was actually before the dpc so maybe like three years ago but they ran a swiss format and i thought it went very well the reaction to it seemed pretty good we haven't had one since then in a relevant tournament so i don't understand really why i haven't heard a good explanation just yet <laughs> you seem a little yeah, it lost seems yourself. like one of the most consistent formats if not the most consistent i'm not sure why i there's so much that goes into a Dota team that I, I can't even imagine what goes into organizing Dota tournaments that in terms of sponsorships, in terms of you're trying to maximize airtime, in terms of, you know, all types of stuff. I, when it comes to mysteries like that, I I actually have no input because I'm on the outside looking <laughs> at it. I'm like, that just makes so much sense to do, yet all these people aren't doing it. So yeah. why? And <laughs> there's just so many unfathomable reasons that it could be that i just give up I'm like i can't think of why so i'd have to hear it from them and uh you know as of now it's kind of been a undiscussed topic so. yeah it's they are going with the gso format the in the majors there four best of three is a, the top top two move on to the upper bracket bottom two move to the lower bracket so i mean I, I think that's at least fine but again you've had some tournaments that have done some funky formats and teams getting eliminated after three games in total that they yep. played so it's just it's kind of ridiculous but i suppose this is better than something like that but yeah i would have at least liked to see a, a swiss format uh, at one of these events but yeah maybe try the case for sure yeah. Uh, maybe a non-DPC event can come through. We'll see. Um, obviously, a little bit more time for such events, which is kind of cool, too, these third-party tournaments because of the scheduling, and that's another side effect of uh, having the qualifiers all together rather than spread out. So that is another benefit as well uh, worth mentioning on top of that. But new DPC season is here. It's going to be starting again October 5th, I believe, is the uh, yep is day number one of the qualifiers for that first major slash minor. So a couple of weeks away here as you're listening to this podcast and uh, cannot wait for that to be just around the corner. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, quickly going over Midas mode uh, going on. It just started earlier today as we're recording this podcast. Midas mode, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the introduction, but even even Lord Gaben is backing up this tournament. They actually had the introduction, and he did a bit on his phone where he said, welcome to Midas mode, you know, like he does for uh, TI. So I did not see they, that. They actually so got fun. Gaben himself to do it. So wow. it, it's amazing yeah. what Slax can do, man. It uh, really is. Slax has some serious influence in the Dota scene. He's just a good guy, and everyone in the Dota scene knows that he's just trying to make Dota a beautiful esport. And so I think that he gets a lot of, 
more assistance than another person would get just because everyone has faith in them as a, as a yeah. community member. Uh, and I just, I, I've been wanting to watch Midas Mode. I'm never going to watch some of it back today. I obviously heard that there were some serious issues uh, <laughs> yeah. in terms of bugs. Uh, apparently there was a beyond god like Timbersaw that gave 97 gold to <laughs> the gold was an issue yeah when he died so for whatever reason you know something with their new system was causing that to happen but you know we talk about what teams are we most excited to see here and i just when i watched the team announcer video i was so hyped for almost like they're like yeah we managed to scrape together these teams <laughs> I, I like laughed so hard right when they said right. that i assumed that there was going to be some seriously stacked rosters and obviously you have these amazing teams like og in the t- tournament but the memes man the, yeah. the, they really embraced it I, I was most excited to see the meme squads whether it be the streamer stack though was it sadim's uh assassins or something like that that they called them and then from the like sir stunners yeah sir stunners i just want to see how that team came together just for fun to watch them also there's so many viewers that are like emotionally invested in the streamers they like to watch mm-hmm. and then the then the ti1 and ti3 uh alliance and navi stacks yeah. i was the the mainly probably the navi one because the whole puppy dendy reunion thing is just so funny i i don't know how they managed to pull that off like how do they get these players just be like yeah we'll come play with you for this why tournament. not yeah uh, like from a spectator's perspective it's like yeah that's so cool like that's awesome but logistically how did they get these players to come together to play this tournament uh even the burning squad you're like how did he yeah. you know how did they convince these guys to just take 10 like you know five days out of their time to just go play this kind of joke of a tournament in terms of like the fact that it's not actual <laughs> dota but at the same time it's being taken seriously it's just such a beautiful thing for esports you know how, it is in real sports how often you get to see something like this and esports alone like there's no other esport that's as cool as Dota, and this is something that really, for me, drives that home. Like yeah. uh, all these teams, I'm so excited for. So, I love I love the Midas Mode tournament. I think the production behind it's hilarious, and I think that the fact that the players and teams are able to buy into the lighthearted atmosphere when Dota is such a diehard yep. game in general, the the uh, the environment around it that I, it's just such a cool thing to see. It is. It's, it, it, that's what I was going to get at, too. It's. I think it's very healthy. You know, you have those odd people even out there that suggest, like, you know, just keep Dota tournaments to how it should be played. It's just like, shut up, Frank. You know, it's yeah, it, it's, fun, it's fun to have these, these events. And the fact that you do have players like Dendi as well as Puppy playing together. I mean, I think that really shows. And the double TI champions OG going to be playing in it. Like, it shows that. They, they they like playing the game. Um, they play a lot of just a serious mode Dota 2. Sometimes it's just fun to play the lighthearted mode, uh, such as a Midas mode right here. And for those that don't know what Midas mode is, it would take like 30 minutes to explain it here on the, on the cast. So not going to do that. You can obviously check it out. But again, it is a very, very, very unique game within Dota 2. It is kind of Dota 2, but not really. So I, I do recommend checking it out. That's kind of a fun way to watch some Dota. It's fun, kind of a fun way to segue into the Dota 2 season, especially with the timing of it. So uh, that started earlier today. It's going to be going on throughout the week and into our next podcast even. So we'll have more to talk about it then as far as how it wrapped up. Well, um, I think rather than rather than going over 
the last segment there. We did draw a little bit long, so we are going to go ahead and look to uh, start wrapping it up here on the show. But obviously got plenty to talk about, including the, a lot of the reshuffle news uh, that's that's been happening with the roster. And there's still so much more to come. I'm sure by next week's show, there will be even more news. We mentioned teams like Secret, Liquid, and not, no longer Liquid, but where are they going to end up? The new Virtus Pro squad. There's some big-name teams and even some big-name players that are still out there. Uh, we do not know where they're going to be. So that'll be exciting. But we are officially looking to wrap up episode number one. So, BSJ, you made it. Congratulations. I uh, made you. it through the show. I think you did a fantastic job, if I say so myself. But uh, any shout-outs, any you last too, words before? Uh, well, I know. Oh, uh, yeah. I just, we, you know, we got a lot of information coming in today, but it's 11 days until, or 12 days until the first qualifier. And like you said, there's so much up in the air that even though we're doing this once every week, I can't even imagine what we're not going to know yet <laughs> by the crazy. time we get to next week. So yeah. I'm, I'm just, I love this time of the season. It's always the chaos and that kind of, like we said, eventually it, it all sorts itself out and you're like, wow, that's obvious that it was going to play like that. But for now there's so much thrown up in the air and uh, just go enjoy Midas mode. Yeah. I really do want to give a shout out to that tournament. Just amazing thing for esports uh, in general, just the idea of it. And thank you for having me here. I, I was really, I'm really excited to continue this podcast. So. Yep. Thanks for joining me as a co-host, and uh, hopefully you guys tuning in, both either on the live stream here on Twitch or uh, listening on iTunes or even Spotify. We do uh, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Pass on the word. This is going to be a weekly podcast show. Again, this one happened to be live recorded on Tuesday, but in the future, it will be live recorded on Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern is the game plan. So look forward to it then, and then later on in the week, I believe by tomorrow, so like the next day, it should be up on, again, the, the podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, etc. to check out. So wherever you're listening to slash watching, we thank you for tuning in. This was episode number one of the Wombo Combo podcast here brought to you by Predictions. Thank you once again. I'm Breaky CPK. I was joined by BSJ as my co-commentator. Until next time, we'll see you then. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.